Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King, the podcast which aims to guide Britain into the 21st century through the use of discussion and debate. I'm Conor Stanisowskis and beside me is Alison Bally, great auntie and co-host. This episode will be exploring our society theme, discussing the Catholic Church within Nazi Germany, the impact of the two branches of Christianity within the British Isles, speculating the idea of the afterlife and challenges to the idea of religion in the 21st century. For this topic, we're joined by Martina Rennie, a devoted Roman Catholic who today will be guiding us through the Catholic belief. Remember, you can listen to us on a walk, before a talk, in the park or in the dark on your preferred podcast app or website. So, Martina, welcome to Pod Save the King. Welcome, Martina. Thank you very much, Connor. Thank you very much, Ali. It's my pleasure to be here. So, you are our first guest in person. Um, what an honour. Yeah, our first... <laughs> Official guest was was Paul, Scottish Paul. If you want to listen to that episode, that's still available on our website and whatever your favourite podcast app is. But yeah, you're the first person to join us in person, so congratulations! <laughs> Thank you very much. I think that's a very dubious honour. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you very much indeed. I just hope you don't lose any of your listeners. Oh, I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Um, so, if you don't mind, do you want to lead us through topic one? Um, I certainly will. The Catholic Churches within, uh, sorry, the Catholic Church within Nazi Germany. Absolutely. Um, so prior to joining this podcast and being asked to speak, I did a wee bit of research on Hitler's agreement with um, the Vatican, and it was something, even as a devout Catholic, I wasn't actually aware of that Hitler had made such an agreement. But basically, what it is, it's called. The Reichskonstordat, which is Concordat, and that was between the Holy See, the Vatican, the Pope, and the German Reich, and it was signed on the 20th of July, 1933. It was negotiated by the then emerging Nazi Germany and the Vatican. It was signed on behalf of Pope Pius the Eleventh by who was the then Eugenio Pacelli and he then became Pope Pius Twelfth. And what it was, it was a guarantee um, that the rights of the Catholic Church in Germany would be maintained. And what they said was for um, this agreement, section 16, the people who are in the clergy uh, were not allowed to become involved in any way, shape, or form with the politics. politics. Yeah, the politics, or the governor, or the president of the German right. They, it was basically a way of controlling um, the the Catholics' power, if you if you will. Um, but even from then. It was the Nazis, interestingly, who began to breach that agreement. And they had planned to eliminate any of the church's influence by stricting its organisation to purely religious activities. Now, this agreement is one of the most controversial of concordant that the Vatican actually negotiated during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI. Um... And it was when Hitler uh, came through to power, he created something which was the Enabling Act of 1933. And it was the law that gave the German cabinet, most importantly, the powers to make and reinforce laws without the involvement of the Reichstag or the president. And so this led to the rise of Nazi Germany. Hitler, Adolf Hitler, was appointed as Chancellor, the head of the German government in February the 27th. And he was not in agreement with the Catholic Church at all. Um, he cleared his political arena of anyone willing to challenge him. He contended that the degree was insufficient and required policies that would safeguard his emerging dictatorship. And he submitted a proposal to the right track that if it passed, it would be immediately granted all legislative, all legislative 
legislative. That's the word, Alison. Pars. <laughs> struggled with that word. The to <laughs> to his dictatorship, and he went so far as then killing Catholics or imprisoning imprisoning them in their own separate uh, concentration camp. He even had Catholic yeah. priests, clergy taken out of other. Um, concentration camps and put into Dachau which was um, one of the most famous yeah, concentration famous con- camps, yeah. a famous concentration camp and it was one of the first built by Nazi Germany and that's where Catholic clergy then had to go was it just the clergy that he persecuted or was it practising Catholics within Germany? Is it Has that been made clear at it all? It wasn't made clear, but I'm assuming that any practising Catholic that was not in agreement with Hitler would have um, ended up as a prisoner there and they, they lived a life of fear of yeah. the Nazis. They were... There were standing cells only. There was <gasps> daily floggings. Um, there was 32,000 doc- 32, documented deaths at that camp. And there are thousands that are not actually documented. And that's such a sad piece of church history, is it? It is, but it's not the first time that the Catholics have been persecuted, though, is it? Absolutely not. No. Um, but to that extent, <clears throat> it was... It was a, such a crime of war. It yeah. should never have been no. allowed. And it it was so difficult because the Catholics at that time thought by having this agreement that was then overturned by Adolf Hitler that they would indeed be quite safe so, because they were not seen as a threat. Yeah. So, yeah. And they were manipulated in a way. They were very they? manipulated. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, the Nazis very, very much did pull the wool over their eyes, didn't they? Um, so thank you for that. that. That was really insightful, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it as well. I hope um, so. Now, if you don't mind, would you like to move on to the two branches of Christianity on the British Isles? Um, so, Martina, you're from Northern Ireland, right? You were born in Northern Ireland. Um, Grew up there till I was seven years old. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so obviously, England's kind of main religion is the Anglican Church. You know the the, the, the Anglican Protestants um, but in Northern Ireland that wasn't much so was it there was quite a split do you there, want to yeah. talk about that yeah there certainly was um, a split so for a wee bit of history um, in the 1540s Ireland actually became a dependent kingdom of England and they shared the same king and I believe that was Henry Eighth. he was the first king of England, Ireland, and then there's so much talk about the troubles that Northern Ireland faced. In 1921, the Irish successfully fought for independence and Ireland separated into two states. So there was the Irish Free State, um, and that's almost entirely Catholic, and then Northern Ireland, which was mostly Protestant. The Irish Free State is still a part of the British Commonwealth today. But the troubles broke out um, in the late 60s because centuries of conflicts between the Catholics and the Protestants um, escalated into violence. So in the late 60s up until the late 1990s when indeed the Good Friday Agreement was signed, there was troubles raging throughout Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland was under British rule and the Catholic communities in cities like Belfast and Derry complained of discrimination and unfair treatment by the Protestant-controlled government and police forces. So, basically, the Catholics were... They were seen as less citizens, even though they were in a majority, they were seen as less of a citizen than the Protestants. And the Protestants controlled the government and the police forces. 
to the point were Catholics. So one of the largest employers in Belfast was the shipyard. 95% of Protestants worked in the shipyard, only 5% of Catholics. And in Derry, which is should be London Derry, but if you're from Northern Ireland and um, you're not supportive of the Unionists, then you would call it Derry. Um, you would be very put on to get good jobs and good housing in Derry where the majority were actually Protestants they manoeuvred the borders so that um, the Protestants actually got to to rule uh, sorry Derry it's Catholic minority but the rooting of the districts had been gerrymandered in Ireland and that was that's political manipulation of the electoral district boundaries to create undue advantage. Could I interject if you don't mind? Not at all, Ali. So, it's my understanding of, uh, and always having lived on England territory, was that I always thought the troubles was about religion. No, it wasn't about religion. Um, it sounds almost like it was a social struggle it was. to get recognised as a Catholic, an Irish Catholic, and having the full rights as as an Irish Protestant. Is that is that right? It is. It is right. Um, and religion had nothing to do with it. It was, it was the politics, because Catholics mm. and Protestants believe in one God. Yeah. There are differences, obviously, in the religions, um, but that's a podcast for another another day. But this was politically um, driven. Yeah. Driven. Mm. So in 1969, um, you had the Irish Republican Army, and they split into two factions. It was the officials who were your councillors, your politicians, and they were very peaceful. People. Yeah. They wanted the troubles to be sorted out through talks many, many times. And then you had the provisional IRA who wanted it to be sorted out with violence. And that's when it became known as the troubles because against the provisional IRA, you would then have the nationalist um was the IRA uh, mostly Catholics? Yeah, the so the IRA is Catholic and they're headed by the Sinn Féin party. And then you have the Ulster Defence Army and Ulster Defence Regiment and they were Protestants. And they would, they would cause terrible bombings, deaths, injuries in their war of... And it was not the IRA wasn't just contained within Ireland, though, was it? it was, no, it, was, it came onto the mainland yeah. in so England. Were they against the Republic of Ireland being part of the United Kingdom? They wanted to be free from British rule. Yeah. So, in that in that sort of time span, three thousand six hundred people lost their lives and 30,000 uh, were injured um, because of the troubles and the effect that the IRA fight and the UDA were having. And then the British soldiers were brought in and they were welcomed to start with. By? By everybody. By, everybody, by, by, by the Catholics, own. yeah, All as right. well, because they, they thought they were going to bring <clears throat> peace um, and help control the UDA and the UDR and then that didn't happen so then the soldiers became targets of the IRA mm. so there was bombings um, the bloody Sunday bombing in Derry where 13 men and many many civilians were injured you had the bloody Friday bombings where they attacked the centre of Belfast. There was bombings 
brought onto mainland Britain, Birmingham, London, Warrington, Warrington Manchester. Manchester, and of course there was the massive uh, assassination of Prince Charles's uncle, I think he Mount was Batten. Mountbatten. Yeah, Lord yeah. Mountbatten. Yeah. Um, yeah, something that people will will never get over. Um, and back in the day, back in the 60s, it was the civil rights movement that was in America that the Irish people, the Catholic nationalists, wanted um, to actually take on board and rise that oh, way. So they, they didn't they wanted it peacefully. Yeah. Um so they do you think they they were making a connection between in America the civil rights, it was the black people. It was the people black people of colour yeah. that wanted the full rights yeah. to be regarded as an yeah. equal citizen. That's so right. and that same thing, that movement sparked it in Ireland because yeah. the Catholic community felt that they weren't full citizens. That's right. So the civil rights movement in America, that was peaceful and violent all at the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, which is like a mirror of what you had yeah. going on in Northern yeah. Ireland. Um, but it certainly wasn't done under religious beliefs. It, it's, it, it must be a political and, misconception, though. Yeah, it was political and... Um, I suppose it was the... I suppose it the political... Uh, coloration is because there were two distinct camps. Yeah, you had the, the Catholics and the Protestants. Yes, yeah, so the yeah. the Catholics, um, they're nationalists and they wanted Ireland to just be its own nation. Where you had the Protestants who were loyal to Westminster. to Westminster and Parliament, whereas yeah, so the uh, the current time the um northern ireland assembly is not meeting is it at the moment because they can't reach an agreement is that right yeah the dup yeah. are refusing to show power basically wishing fain um and it i suppose the kind of idea of a, of a united ireland and kind of the republican side is still very much presented today as Sinn fein don't take those seats in westminster as assured that mm. they want to be independent yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. and there are still um fractions of groups since the Good Friday Agreement because the IRA and the UDA had to lay down arms. Yeah. But there are still tiny wee pockets of you do people get, who yeah. are still causing yeah. trouble. The yeah. recent killing of the... I'm not sure if you passed, actually. The, the, the attack on the recent police officer in, in Northern Ireland. Yeah, that's, a, that's an yeah. example. Um so, thank you for clearing that up, actually, because I, I had the impression that the Troubles was a, a religious battle, yeah. but in, in reality, yeah, it really it wasn't. wasn't. No. It um, may well have been, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and they've used that. I think sometimes religion is used as an excuse to go to war, and I suppose that's true in, in um, the Middle East, isn't it, where yeah. you've got the, the Jews and the Palestines, they're always warring, aren't they? They are, yeah. but it's not it's, in the name of war. When you when you look no. at it, it no. is it's not in the name of religion. Sorry, yeah. not war. And do you think that that Northern Ireland has come quite far from where it was? Oh, a lot further than where it is. You have children going to mixed religion schools. You don't have areas that you wouldn't dream of going into in case trouble broke out because you wouldn't get out of them. Um, it's a massively up and coming. Uh, city is Belfast attracting millions and millions of visitors and tourists every year there's a whole there's a whole new lifestyle now going on isn't that marvellous yeah. because certainly if we were sat here in 1973 and you said to me oh shall we go to Belfast for a holiday I think you'd gone yeah, You'd lost the many, many people would was, say that. Really felt it was really violent kind of place to be. Well, that's it what was, was on our TV screens, wasn't it? And that yeah. was true. <clears throat> that was having lived through um, attacks, 
been in Belfast when trouble has broke out as a young, very young child lying awake in my aunt's house and seeing the helicopters flying above and the light shining through in the room. It really was a very bizarre childhood, a very dangerous childhood. Yeah. Um, Did you, I know it's very, it's almost an impossible question this, but because you were such a young child, but did you feel or can you remember adults feeling that <clears throat> they were being oppressed because they were Catholic? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, certainly um, when it came to jobs, people would be, my family would be talking about going for a job and they hadn't been given the job because they'd been put down on so, the form that they were Catholics. And yeah. So I think this is one of the things where things have moved forward. Absolutely. Because yeah. on application forms now, you don't... You don't know the age of the person, you, you don't know the no, you ethnicity, don't. you don't know the religion, because it's all anonymized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I guess, guessing on your name, you might not even know the gender. Absolutely. So I think that, that's been, a, that's massively positive, isn't it? Oh, it is. It, it, but it's I mean, fancy asking, but as an employer now, if I was employing somebody, I wouldn't say, and by the way, what's your religion? It just wouldn't enter your mind no. because it's not relevant. No, no it's not. But obviously but you would still there. see it on application form, but on the application form, that section is removed, so you only really get the person's um, job history and exactly. the, the CV part of exactly. why their skills exactly. are good. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's only through having that job history you then kind of think, well, they sat a CSE in 1982. I think we can kind of guess how old they are. So it's, that's the only re, the only way you have any indication of somebody's age. But to, cer to certainly ask somebody's religion, it just seems mm. bizarre to us now, sat here now, doesn't it? And you wouldn't have been allowed to marry <clears throat> someone from the other religion. Um you couldn't go out if you were Catholic. You wouldn't be. It wouldn't be acceptable for you to go out with a Protestant and vice versa. You wouldn't get Catholics living in Protestant areas, and if you did, they would be keeping their religion very low key. They wouldn't be talking about it. Um, so, did you? Did your family? Did they live in an area where they needed to be low key, or? Were you in living in a Catholic area? I, do you know? Yeah, yeah. my family, um, <clears throat> both sides of my family are Catholic and they both lived in Catholic areas. And then when my mum and dad moved over from England, from London uh, to Northern Ireland, they actually lived in a Protestant majority area. And I can't remember us having any problems until not long before we were moving over to England and removal men were coming to where we lived saying we're moving but it wasn't actually our moving day they were telling us you are moving today oh my goodness but we weren't moving that day my dad had already come over to England got a job found us a house yeah um and what was the reason for you moving from ben? the troubles? My mum and dad wanted to give us um, uh, not as so much a better quality of life because a you safer know one. a safer a one. Yeah. quality of life. Yeah. And and so kind of the politics that were manipulated from the religions in a way that drove you out of your home. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the pla your place of birth. Yeah. Do you feel? Yeah. Um, do you kind? Do you feel? I'm not. I'm not sure of the the word to use exactly. Bitter. Yeah. Do Do you have any? Do you think if the troubles and do you kind of think in your mind if it wasn't for those troubles I would be still in Belfast? Yeah, I do. I so do. do you have a sense of yeah, bitterness that you were kind of forced? My mum's family, um, in particular, <clears throat> they they didn't really leave um, Belfast, so I would have had much closer relations, relations with, yeah. with them. And yeah. I have 
brilliant relationships with them now. Yeah. But it did cost me a lot of relations. On my dad's side, he had a bigger family and they did come over here. Some, some of them, but some of them who stayed behind, I don't know them no. as as well as no. I would like to. Yeah. Um, thank goodness, really, for social media because yeah. I can have a relationship yeah. with them now. Yeah. Um, and like I say, <clears throat> Ireland, Northern Ireland, is one of the most amazing places you could ever go to visit. The people are so welcoming. Um, even driving around and you can see murals on the wall and you know what, what part of Northern Ireland you'd be in depending on the murals you're looking at wow. they're actually quite stunning to, yes. to see yeah. um, and I would definitely recommend people to go and visit and have a look Yeah, and I think, I think people are much more open to it, I mean we're even out we are planning a trip aren't we? We are because we, we went to Southern Ireland we did, we went um, to County Mayo and that was what a wonderful country, what wonderful people. Yeah. Really chatty and welcoming. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see the contrast yeah. when we go to the north. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, kind of this <laughs> divide that we saw between Protestants and Catholics, that was, I mean, not obviously not as much, but still slightly present in England. So my great-grandparents... Um, on my paternal side, one of them is um, a Republic of Ireland devout Catholic, um, and my great nan, she is an English Protestant, and they had twelve children between each other oh. and never married because of the religion. <gasps> They're not together now; they, they they ended it further down the line in the thirties, but they never married because they couldn't agree on what church they would marry in. No, so it is. So I find this so Particularly fascinating. Particularly as a Catholic, a Roman Catholic, you, you would not. It. it would not have been yeah. accepted for you to have a child, child. out of wedlock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And back in those days, so I mean, especially. So how far back are we going? Um, they're still alive now. They're in the nineties, but yeah. Um, so yeah, in those days, so seventy years ago, yeah, no. my my granddad was born in the sixties, and it's his parents. Yeah, um, and he's the middle child, so it would have been even before that fifties, yeah. probably. So yeah, that's quite incredible, isn't it? So in a way, they were groundbreaking, really, weren't they? They were. I oh, I wonder, or do you know whether they pretended to be married? I was going to ask that. I don't. Well, I, I have no idea whether they no. pretended, but I don't think they did. I think it was fairly open. They lived together. Um, obviously, the marriage did break down further down the line. Oh, so they did marry? No, no, no. no they, they, the, oh, relationship. the relationship, sorry, yeah, yeah not the marriage. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, then it shows how even with one generation things can develop because, you know, my granddad who was born from that couple, he married my nan, who's a, who's a Church of England Protestant, and he's a Catholic. Mm. And they agree, well, you know, my nan's quite a powerful lady, so my granddad agreed to marry in a Church of England. Um, so <laughs> they, they eventually get married, but it shows how even within what thirty years, yeah. if not less, no, it was twenty because my granddad was was twenty two when they got married. Um, it shows even just with one generation how fast kind of things can change, change and opinions can change. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was really interesting, and yeah. thank you for sharing your own personal experiences as well. Very welcome. Um, I'm sure our listeners and we appreciate. Um, don't we? Very much so. Um, so if you'd like to move on from this part now. Uh-huh. Um, earlier before the podcast, we were speculating, wasn't we, about afterlife and our yeah, we individual were, beliefs on the afterlife. Yeah. Um, so would you like to start this? I, I'm quite happy to, yeah, yeah. Do you to, wanna, to start off. Lead? Yeah, I, um, so I was brought up as a Protestant and uh, to say your prayers and uh, to believe that there was a God. And I think even though I don't go to church, because I think there's quite a lot of hypocrisy in the church, I'd suggest in both Protestant mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, I agree. Catholics. So as I got older, really, my I'd still say I was Church of England and I got married in Church of England church. Um, but I don't go to church. So you could say, well, can you really... Can you be religious if you don't follow the rules?
I believe you can. Right. I believe you can have your own kind of either relationship or feeling about God. And I think for me, um, I think having God in your life is like having um, a, um, a guiding angel. Yeah. Because there have been many times in my life if I've been really worried or frightened... Um, and I don't know whether I told you this, but when we were in Rome, um, in St. Peter's, there were certain places where you could just pray. And I sat down and I said, God, I said, I know this is a big ass, but my feet are aching awfully. Can you take that (laughs) away from my feet? (laughs) But they were shocking. They were. um... But he didn't do anything about it. But he must have thought, now, come on, get get your act together, Allah, you know. Um, I've got better things to do. But I, I think it has been a comfort, really. Yeah. Um, but I suppose the other side of the argument is if everybody is living or existing somewhere, it must be an awfully busy place because how many people have died since the beginning yeah, of absolutely civilization? Billions and billions. So where are they? Because I kind of think to myself... Well, I always, I shouldn't really say this, but I always think of that free bar in the sky is where I'm heading for. But it's going to be awfully busy, isn't it? Shakespeare will be there, Hitler. In he- probably not in heaven. <laughs> yeah, prob- no. pro- probably the other one downstairs. But yes, I'm not sure I that so. I, I'm not sure that I believe in hell. Oh, well, okay. I don't think I do. do can you um, tell us more? I just think hell is just too bad a place that there must be another way of um, they say about the judgment day don't they? Mm. That's my favourite picture, do you remember Ali, yeah. when we went to the Sistine Chapel, Chapel exhibition in Leeds Yeah, and I could not pull myself away from yeah. that. Yeah, but I think that's where you account for your life Yeah, yeah. that all the wrongs it depends how wrong the wrongs are, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, we've all we all do things wrong in our life. Absolutely. It's, but you know, if, if you if you try to live your life with the best of intention, and even though you might not succeed all the time, I think that's probably a generally a good way to live your life. Where I don't think people get sent to hell. I think hell is too horrible a place, even for the worst people that's ever lived. I don't think I agree with that. Well, that's fine, and we can explore yeah. that. I think you have to, on the day you die, you have to stand up and be counted. Absolutely. The last judgment day. Yeah, I do, and I think... Um, see the error of your ways, but, but how? But, so yeah. do you see it differently, don't you? So, so do you I think there is hell? Absolutely. I don't think hell is a place. Mm. Um, I think it would be a, a state for your spirit to be in. I think right. your spirit would be tortured. <gasps> because when when we die, my belief is our spirit goes up to heaven. Hopefully. Another state. Yeah. It's a state. Um, it's a state of uh, well-being. increased peace, well-being, yeah. Yeah. love, comfort, yeah. reunited with those other spirits that you know we very sadly lost. And I think if you look at all religions, not just Catholics and Protestants, but all religions, they all have rules to follow. And these are religious rules and they're in the Quran, they're they're in our Bibles, they are in the Torah, they're they're everywhere. And if everybody was to follow those rules as best they can, I know... Some of the rules would be easier to break. So, for example, thou shalt not steal. I know there's a lot of stealing goes on. And then thou shalt not kill. Now, now that is the most, yeah, one of the most serious ones, um, obviously. And I think for people like Hitler or even over here, the Moors murderers who have, no remorse whatsoever yeah. for what they did. I don't think they will go into a state of heaven when no. they die. 
I think they may get. Knowing in my heart and in my beliefs, um, obviously there's no physical proof that um, you'll go to heaven, but that's what our beliefs are and they're strongly reinforced through going to church, through the Bible, through having um, experiences in places such as Rome that you just can't explain where you're overcome with emotion and awe. Um, I do think that you do go to heaven and you are reunited with all your family and your friends. Yeah. And I think it is a fantastic comfort. Could It is know? a comfort. Yeah. It is a comfort. But do you, in order to get to heaven, do you have to demonstrate to yourself and to everybody else that you've abided by the rules that you've gone to church? I don't believe you have to go to church to pray. No. You do not have to go to church to have yeah. a conversation with God. But, but would that be generally accepted as okay within a... Say, for instance, if I went to the Pope and said, I'm a Catholic, but I'm not coming to church, is that all right? Or would he look down on me and say, no, you must come to church? I'm just saying, how far do the rules get think, applied? I don't think anybody would look down at you or any priest or... They would maybe ask you questions as to, well, why, why? do you not feel you, yeah. can, you don't want to go to church? What is it that's yeah. happened? Um, I remember when we lost my dad and he was the first, the first most significant person. I'd lost my granddad previously, but obviously when, when it's your father, it's, you know, and you live with yeah, yeah, that yeah, person. Yeah. You question them, well, why did God take my dad and not that murderer who's yeah. in prison? Why did yeah. he not take... This and is... then people come out with all the normal things. He only takes the best and it yeah. was his day to go. Uh, it's Yeah, and God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, and I, I Yeah, and like it doesn't... And maybe that's where maybe religion has got a bit more... Or being questioned more. Yeah, if there was what, a God, why, why is, is he all letting this? this happen? Yeah. yeah. But then, God has given us free, free will. will. Yeah, he has, yeah. See, um, I have an alternate view, and we, we spoke about yeah. this before recording. Um, you said you take comfort in heaven, which is a common practice, a lot yeah, of people yeah. do. Um, I take comfort in the idea that there might not be a heaven. There might not... Uh, in my head, I think it would be better for it to just end and that be it. Goodbye life, you know. Um, because everybody hopes that they lived... Every, it's funny, isn't it? Because we have this kind of... Um, this original idea, you'll live to be 100. Everybody thinks they'll live to be 100, don't they? But everybody hopes at least to live to a good age, an yeah. older age, you know. You want to have accomplished all your aims in life. And then once you've done that, I think it's so comfortable. I, I think I take great comfort in the idea that that's it. You've done it, well done. And I think the idea that heaven isn't there makes life more meaningful. Because if I look at heaven as a second run, oh, well, this life might not be so good or not as good as I want it to be, but heaven's on the way and, I, and I'll go to that and it'll be better. I think the idea that heaven isn't there and the idea that we only get one chance and one opportunity makes life so much more sacred and special. Well... As I said to you before, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work when I go to heaven. It's a different, it's a different existence completely. But I do get your point, and maybe because we there are quite a number of years between us. Do you think what you're talking about is representative, perhaps, of your? So, because you went to a Catholic school, didn't you? Yeah. See. I have had Catholicism in my life from as early as I can remember. Yeah. I went to a Catholic nursery, primary school, secondary school. Yeah. Went to church quite often, a uh, Catholic church. And so you'd expect me to be to be quite a devout Catholic. But I'm what they call ambivalent at the moment. I'm quite confused. I'm not exactly sure where I sit on the kind of 
religion topic. Um, I don't know if I'm Catholic, Protestant, or atheist. I'm not exactly sure. And I think that that's quite uh, that's echoed throughout quite a lot in my generation, actually. Right, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. yeah. So this is like challenging the view, challenging the old rules, the old... You see, I, in some ways, I do see religion as a way of controlling people as well. I think that's why I'm not a churchgoer as such, because... So, forgive me, uh, no, I'm playing no. devil's advocate. It seems, you know, like I say, forgive me, but I'm a Catholic, I do something wrong, I go to church, I confess, and they say everything's all right. The slate, it's been wiped clean. No. No. Please, no, please. No, no. If you, if you are not genuinely sorry for what you have done, then the slate is not wiped clean. Anybody can, can go to confession and say, oh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, and tell them what the sin is, and you're not actually in the least bit sorry. And but ten minutes later... Know. He won't know about it. He won't know, but no. you will and God will. That's ah, our belief. Well. That's our belief. God knows if you are really right. sorry. So does that not make the confession meaningless or not useful? Maybe meaningless is the wrong term, my apologies. I think not useful. Is it is it useful, do you think? I think confession? more for old school people yeah. it is. I don't no, and how young young children think it's useful, but certainly, um, like if I if I was to go to confession, I was once told by a priest because we were told if if you didn't go to confession, you couldn't have holy communion, and I had this discussion with the the priest years ago, and he said to me, "Listen, Martina, have you killed anybody?" No, I haven't killed anybody. Have you... Um, Stolen? No, oh. not even so much that, but oh. have 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 you done any horrendous thing? Uh, no. He said, then why are you not having communion? If you were sorry for what you have done, so it could have been something, you'd got cross with somebody. Yeah. And you'd maybe said something inappropriate to them or, you know, but you were really sorry then so he had a more modern view yeah that you didn't have to go to confession but you could still take holy yeah. communion so yeah. that was he quite was more upset that i didn't take holy communion than, than yeah didn't go to confession yeah yeah so <laughs> i li i grew up on a street where there was a Catholic family and we were Protestants. Uh -huh. And there, were, there was no problem between the families no. at all, no. you know. Um, but I do remember, um, Andrew was called, he became a priest, actually. He said to me, my mummy said, you won't go to heaven. And I said, oh, why is that? He said, because you're not Catholic. So that child, but this is going back to the 70s. This is going back, way back. I'm not saying it's... A Catholic view or anything like no, that. No, I think it must have just been that woman's warped, twisted view. Yeah, yeah. So I think from that, it always gave me a little bit of an edge. Like, do the Catholics think they're better than us? Because that's obviously yeah. what that child. And I think the other thing about confession is that a child is a child. They they shouldn't feel guilt, should they? Really? I know you've got to learn the you know the difference between right and wrong. Mm. But what a child could possibly say going to confession, I have no idea. Yeah. So from what age are you? About? So you make your yeah. your first confession. Our year threes have just done it now. Is it about so eight years old? Eight, <gasps> yeah, seven, eight. Is that, is that too young, do you think? It's, a, it's what's known as a rite of passage in the Catholic faith. So you've oh. got your baptism... Your yeah. penance, your first Holy Communion, yeah. your confirmation, anointing of the sick, holy orders, um, marriage, they're all your rites of passage. So making your first confession is a right that you have. So do the children ask, what am I going to say in confession? Or, oh, yeah, or are they... they 
they learn about what confession is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. obviously the things that they're going to be sorry for is things like they've been disrespectful to their parents. Yeah. Or they've stolen a piece of Lego from their friend's yeah. house. Or yeah. yeah. Simple, childlike yeah, things. Childlike things yeah. that, yeah. you know, there are yeah. no great crimes. Yeah. Um, but it's just to give them awareness that if you are sorry, really sorry, sorry. for what you've done, yeah. um, then it's okay. God, yeah, it's all right. God yeah. will forgive you. Yeah, yeah. But I do believe there is definitely an afterlife. Yes, we should explore that a little bit more. I mean, I think the one experience that I can draw on is my grandma used to live with us, and she lived with us till I was twenty, about twenty five, twenty six, um, when she died. So from from age of five. But to be perfectly honest, we were not close. She was my grandma, but she yeah. definitely had a lot of flaws that became very apparent very early on. God forgive me for saying that, but um, but when she died, and bear, and the reason I say we're not close is because it makes the experience all the more poignant. Is that for the twenty four hours after she died, I felt she was looking down on me. Oh, really strongly felt really strong feeling now so that makes me think there must be an afterlife or something because having that experience and it's not like I, she was so beloved and i wanted her to be there yeah it was quite the opposite in a way of course i didn't want her to die but it was because we didn't have that close relationship why would i feel that she was looking down on me exactly. for those 24 hours Maybe she wanted you to know that she did love you, but in her own way. Yeah, and maybe. she wanted you to yeah. to know that. Yeah. I mean, I've shared with you a few of my own stories yeah, where... please do. I've had, Anything that you feel comfortable sharing. You know, where I've had experiences. Um, I've been to see spiritualists. I've been to see psychics. Some of the psychics spoke a load of twaddle. Some of them said things that only I knew yeah. about. Um so it there was <coughs> when my own father died uh and i became increasingly unnerved about the dark and refused to go in my own room in the dark and stay there and i woke up during the night and he was at the bottom of the bed and i just remember turning over and thinking oh it's only my dad nothing to be afraid of and he was dressed in a suit that he'd got only yeah. months earlier. And the same with my mum. An overwhelming smell of yeah. flowers. Yeah. So, given that you're ambivalent about, and you quite like the idea of the end. Yeah. Eternal nothingness. Yeah. Uh, what's your feeling when you hear stories like that? Is it our imagination? Or um, do you think there's possibly something more? Sorry about that. Our fourth, uh, fourth podcast, uh, podcast guest. Fortunately, uh, have a bit of a word though. Little rocks um, and the dog. <laughs> yeah. So my answer to that is, you know, there's there's a reason I'm ambivalent. You know, being ambivalent isn't a, having a set opinion. You know, yeah. I might find comfort in nothingness today, but tomorrow I might think, hang on. I quite of like course. the idea of heaven. Yeah. So when I when I hear religious experiences, I don't think, oh yeah, that's completely wrong. In the same way, I don't think that's completely, completely right. right. And th that that's the that's the yeah. idea of being ambivalent. Um, but what I will say is, as as human beings, uh, and it's a famous it's a famous philosopher who we studied in philosophy, but his name has just left me at the the brilliant time. Anyway. Um, but he said there is no evidence to su there's no empirical evidence su to suggest that God exists, but there's no empirical evidence su to suggest that God didn't doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. And as human beings, we can't compare to the idea that that we have of God. You know, and that that that's expressed throughout the the theistic religions, isn't it? All three: Islam, uh, Christianity, and Judaism. We do not have the power to say yes or no, that is definitely or is definitely not. 
And I think that's important. And, you know, when we get quarrels between different religious groups, which are common throughout yeah. history and, and I'm sure, in the future as well, mm. it's important that them groups remember that they aren't God. No. They do not have the power to know exactly what they're preaching. And so, and same for preachers as well, not just those in quarrels, yeah. but preachers and, and other people that preach the word of the of their God, of the kind of holy book, the scripture, they've got to remember, they do not have the exact know-how. They don't compare to God. And I think, yeah, I think that's a very important part of religion and how different religious groups can live together in harmony. And that's all that really basic human spirit is to to be uh, to have togetherness we don't live on our own Absolutely. no we don't as a species yeah. we like to be part of a group everything we? is contingent on something else our survival it's contingent on other people's survival yeah. uh you think of newborn babies coming into the world today exactly they wouldn't be able to survive no, on, on their own, own. No, they, they are um so dependent on on the yeah. parents on the carers yeah. around them and the other older people with more yeah. experience so um, why do we still quarrel? Why as a species do we still... Well, I think it's within our DNA. We, we've evolved over time to challenge other people, challenge other people for dominance and power. It's, I mean, I'm sure every Prime Minister that's left office in the past 13 years has cried when they left. You know, humans like power. And I think that's what comes into quarrelling. You know, every religion wants to be the dominant religion. We see that throughout the Crusades, don't we? Yeah. Um you know, two religions fighting against each other for dominance. We see that in... It's usually land, isn't it? Yeah, land. It and and, and land also grab. religious belief. Like, we look at Spain in the... And I won't go too deep into the history, but we look at Spain in the First and Second Crusades, divided between Christians and Muslims. Yeah. Not necessarily even just fighting for land, just fighting for the dominance of their own religion. And I think that that's what comes into human conflicts, dominance, wanting power. And that's what links it to religion. Yeah, and I think Britain as a society, the they used to send so out, diverse, nice, absolutely. But back in the days, they say the missionaries they yeah. felt it was their duty to spread the word of God yeah. to to people that maybe had a different religion or didn't have a religion. Absolutely, and that that again touching on that uh, you know imperialism a little bit that's absolutely that's a dark time in yeah not all, uh, in church history yeah. really of you know forcing our beliefs on other absolutely uh, indigenous people absolutely um, i think that's been a really constructive yeah. conversation yeah. i've enjoyed it, it has i yeah. very much enjoyed um, it very much enjoyed thank it. you thank Ma- you thank you martina for coming on as a guest we really appreciate it we do. Um, and thank you to Roxy. Um, for her contribution. For her contribution. Absolutely. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so on that note, thank you for listening to Pod Save the King. That's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from him. And a cheerio from me. Thank you very much. <laughs>